Welcome to another episode of Adding Up, the podcast. I'm your host, Serena Ryan. This podcast is all about sharing my financial education, my journey to become debt-free, and in the process, share my learnings so that I'm not the only one who gains from all this experience. I'd love you to be able to gain inspiration and perhaps a bit of education along the way to make key changes in your life to become debt-free. I am not a financial advisor. Everything I speak about is lived experience. In this episode, I am going to cover my challenges at 30, my financial failures that I wish someone had had the opportunity to speak to me about them when I was 30. It wasn't an easy time for me financially. I'm thankful to be around the other side of it. And now this particular episode is raw, real, and intentional to help anyone who feels bad about their financial decisions. And I hope it helps at least one of you listening to know it is okay to have financial mistakes. You can recover from them. It is very much a challenging episode. And for that very reason, I hope it's helpful. When I was 30, it was a very up and down kind of year. I often talk about being on a roller coaster when it comes to my life, a lot of highs and lows. With the challenges that actually brings, the year I was 30, my 30th birthday, I decided to have a birthday celebration with my best friend. I was back in Sydney again in episode 20. I may have spoken about I bought my second property at the age of 27 and the location of that property was in the snow resorts of New South Wales, Australia. Yes, for those who are not in Australia, we do get snow and we do have snow fields. I bought my second property at the age of 27. I had a passion for living in the snow resorts and the opportunity arose for my career path to divert and work in the snow fields. So I bought this property at the age of 27 using the equity in my very first property I bought at the age of 20. And if you want to hear more about my story, about how I was able to buy a property at the age of 20, single and on a wage of around $300 a week, listen to episode 20 of the Adding Up podcast. I bought that property as an investment and I wouldn't say it was the best decision I made, but I live with the decision I made. I bought it at the time as an investment and then promptly got a job and moved into it. Moved over six hours away from Sydney, from the security of a city job and good pay to live in a snow resort, which brought a lot of challenges with it, including the expense of living outside of Sydney. Ironically, you would think moving to the country would be cheaper, but that's actually not the case especially if you're going to live in a snow resort because it costs a lot of money for food and everything to be trucked in. Things that hadn't actually been on my radar to check when I moved 
So I had a double barrel of learning. Buying a property in a regional area does not bring with it the certainty of property prices of, say, in the city. And it also challenges you in if you're going to go and move out to the country, I couldn't recommend highly enough. Make sure you do your homework. It's not just about whether you can live there or get a job there, but work out the budget of what you will be able to afford. Don't assume that it will be the same cost of living in the city to where you were, to where you're going to be. Big, big lesson I wish I had realised. Three short years after buying that property, I found myself back in the city. You'd think planning a celebration for a birthday party for my 30th would be a really incredible time. But what I did was not the smartest. I fell into the trap of feeling like I had to have a big party for my 30th birthday. A really big party. I booked a rooftop of a city hotel with my best friend who happens to have a birthday six days after me. We had this joint birthday party on a rooftop in the city of Sydney. Stunning location, invited lots of people, but I quickly realised something. Of the people there, I really didn't know many of them closely. Really, my very best friend was my closest friend at that party. In the dawning of how much it was costing in the thousands to have a party in the city on this rooftop, I realised how miserable I was. I was struggling to meet the repayments on my properties, yet we had planned this party which cost thousands to be on this rooftop. It was a really tough time. I found myself on my birthday in the toilets crying. Even now as I share this story, I do my best not to relive the experience because it's sad. If anything, now I have a lot of gratitude for the experience because what it taught me was that money doesn't buy happiness, money doesn't buy friends, and parties are quite hollow if you're partying for the sake of partying. It's a quick way to use up your money. As my 40-something self would tell my 30-something self, when you spend the money here and now, you don't have it for later. And the realisation that has dawned on me now is that by having that money spent, it was never going to be used for anything else. Now, for any subsequent birthday party, I'm very happy to sing happy birthday and that's it. And my kids will probably uh, know that they are a little bit uh, frustrated with me at times about this. But an interesting thing, and as I think back to what I went through in my 30s and now as a mother, and my boys are five and seven now, And we're leading up to Christmas. In fact, Christmas is just over a week away. As an experiment this year, my boys were given a number of presents for their birthdays. And they opened up quite a few of them and have used them. 
but I noticed there were quite a few, like we're talking five or six each, that they hadn't even taken out of the box. And for no reason other than they had so many things that they never actually got to play with them. It's not that they didn't like them or didn't want them. They just hadn't opened them up because they already had such an abundance of gifts. So the ones that were unopened, I decided to put in their top cupboard and see if I asked for them. I wasn't taking them away. I was just popping them in the top cupboard to see if they would even ask. And this week, I came up with an idea. I was a bit scared, but I thought I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know what the reaction's going to be. I love to be able to give back at this time of year, even though I'm currently in debt and money is tight. I'm running on a tight budget to get rid of debt and get us financially more secure than what we are. I got the gifts out of their top cupboards and took them into our lounge room. And I asked them, could you pick one each of the gifts you were given this year for your birthday that haven't yet been opened and we donate them to kids who aren't necessarily going to have a very good Christmas? Both of them looked at me surprised and said, what do you mean some kids aren't going to have a good Christmas? And I said, well, some people are having it tough and they may not get gifts this year unless people can help them out. What I found fascinating is that my five-year-old instantly picked one of his gifts and handed it to me. And my seven-year-old, he struggled with the thought of giving anything away. We had a long chat about it. I said, why do you not want to give anything away? And he goes, well, it was given to me, therefore it's mine. I said, well, do you understand what the true meaning of Christmas is? And he said, well, I understand that Jesus was born. I'm like, yes. But do you understand what it symbolizes? And he's like, no. What I found fascinating was that my five-year-old said, it's, it's a gift of life. At five years old, he had figured out what the symbolism was. For me, I don't like to get too caught up in talking about religion, particularly on this podcast. But I bring it up in context of the value of giving. And a lesson I kind of accidentally was teaching my kids this week and reminding myself of it at the same time is that how powerful it is to give to others rather than to receive. And it can be so easy to be caught up, particularly being on a debt journey of wanting to conserve our money, save what we have, hold on to what we have, and miss the point of the true value in giving to others rather than always holding on to what we have or receiving from others. My son my seven-year-old son, reluctantly agreed and selected a gift. We took the gifts to the drop-off point and they both willingly gave them away. And I said to both of them, I was proud of them. And the seven-year-old, he says to me, I'm not proud of me. That broke my heart a little. And I said to him, you may not see the value of it now, but I do appreciate that 
you have given something away on this opportunity. This reflection for me, where I was at 30 and feeling like I had to receive a great birthday party in order to have a great birthday and to be surrounded by all these people and to spend money to make that occasion happen, which was essentially about myself, I realized how it was hollow for me. And now, as my 40-something self, I take so much joy in wanting to give to others. I'm more determined than ever to become debt-free and have the ability to give to others more so rather than less. That even as I record this podcast, I feel this epiphany every birthday to increase my giving rather than receiving. There's nothing better than a gift of one that you give rather than receive. The joy I've been getting this Christmas and getting gifts for my family and friends and setting the spending limit. A spending limit means you have to work harder to get a gift that would mean something rather than having a limitless opportunity to spend anything you want. I'm loving the opportunity to personalize and be creative with what I have. Focusing on the giving is true power and opportunity to do better. I feel I am turning my life around, not just because of becoming debt-free, but because I'm seeing the true value of what money can give to others. It gives me opportunity and freedom to do what I really want, and that is to make this world a better place. And in the past week, it has been incredibly challenging, and at times I've felt sad because where I live is in the outskirts of Greater Sydney. Nearby, there are lots of fires. A lot of people having some really tough times. But instead of focusing on myself too heavily, I am looking to focus more and more on my community and how I can give to others. The true power we have right here and now is not to be so focused on ourselves that we don't see others, but focus on what we can do for others through making ourselves better people. What excites me is that if you ever feel like you can't make a difference, start focusing on others. And now now look back at myself at 30 and I'm grateful for the lessons I've learned and continue to learn because the beauty of it is our future is constantly being written. It is not set in stone and there is an opportunity to give to the greater good when we focus on others even more so. And Christmas is an opportunity to focus on that when we're in this gift-giving season. Focus on the gifts we can give to others. This afternoon, after I finished recording this lovely podcast, I'm going to our local store to buy bottles of water. Now, I'm someone who doesn't like buying so much plastic, but the thing is, this precious gift of water is for our firefighters. And I was hesitating, as this will be the second trip for me to go and do it, even talking about it, because I feel like it's not about me, it's about the fireys, our firefighters. 
but I'm missing the point by not sharing. And I was reminded of this fact. I'm sharing with you because if you feel like you can't do something, look to your community and who needs your help. And for me, I know at $8.60 for 24 bottles of water, I can give some relief to our firefighters who are out there who desperately need water. I'm quickly realizing this time of year is challenging on many levels. And for me, that means I need to be more diligent than ever with my finances. My boys are entering their second week of school holidays. That means it's weeks of challenging, out-of-routine opportunities to really potentially blow the budget. This weekend, I'm putting some extra time aside to plan out how the next month is going to go because they're not back at school for another five weeks. And for me, that proves challenging because, yes, I want to spend quality time with them and I really want to set a good role model for them. I say this as I am struggling with this week alone and I knew it was coming, so I'm hesitating as I say this, as I've been reflecting on what it was like when I was in my 30s with my finances and living for the moment, now I'm balancing trying to live for the moment and plan for the future and stretch the budget as far as I possibly can. This week alone, car registration and my husband was recently in hospital, we have medical bills and all of these things are due this week. These were unbudgeted items. And yes, I'm embarrassed to say that I hadn't budgeted for the car registration, but I'm keeping it real. As much as I wish I could say instantly when I made the decision to be better with money, that it happened overnight, instantly, it's a constant thing I'm working at. And rather than hide it and always talk about how good things are, the intention of this podcast is to help you see, yes, I still stuff things up. This week, oh, I also forgot I had a payment for school fees. It's embarrassing, but I'm sharing because I see the importance of saying, yes, I've stuffed up. The thing for me is I've taken stock rather than just throw my hands in the air and say it's all too hard. I've looked at what I could slow down on. I've been very aggressive at paying down the credit card as much as I possibly can every single pay cycle. This week, I've gone, you know what? I am not paying on the credit card extra this week. I've already paid more than the minimum payment this month. And I'm not paying on it for this fortnight. That is okay. I'm also not paying extra into our savings. I've already paid in this month. But I've also, I've been paying extra payments into the savings as well as on the credit card. And for this fortnight, I'm not doing it. That means technically I'm slowing down the process of becoming debt-free. But I'm saying this to you as well as to myself. I'm not going to put myself into financial distress 
to become debt free. In fact, all I'm doing is slowing down. Instead of going at 100 mile an hour this fortnight, I'm going at 60 mile an hour. I'm still getting there. I haven't stopped. I'm slowing down a little bit, which means I have the breathing space to pay the other bills. I share because I want you to see it is okay. It is okay to stuff up. But then reframe it and go, well, okay, curveballs happen. Life happens. And there are ways to recover if we keep awareness and reevaluate along our path. Allowing yourself the freedom to make active choices with the money you have is also allowing yourself to become free from the stress of financial worries. Awareness is such a powerful tool we can use for good if we allow ourselves to 